Okay, welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And we are going to be discussing, um, well, kind of a crisis meeting, I think. Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, how's, how's things before you do? You're good? Everything's good down here. Thank you, Chris. How's it in London? I mean, it's the same. It's the same old, same old. Um, I, I've just been going for a lot more walks and been going through a lot of old test highlights. I've I found they they basically put every England highlight of every format uh, up on YouTube. I have no idea if it's legal or not, but uh, but they're there, so I've been watching them. But anyway, yes, we released the women's episode a couple of days ago, which obviously now, for the most part, is kind of irrelevant. Or well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We don't know. But we wanted to come and talk about everything that's happened, the fallout, if you will, since the ECB have announced that the 100 will be postponed and the ramifications of that. So, yeah, uh, how, how do you feel about it? Well, we discussed, I think, before it got confirmed, the options that were available, whether we pushed it back, whether it was played behind closed doors. And I think I was of the opinion there, as I think many of the England players have actually expressed on several different interviews since, that it would be a shame to launch this competition um you know, half-heartedly as such, because it's it's got the momentum, it's got the uh, it's got the spirit in it that it needs a big audience, and you need your international players there. They spent a lot of money developing this idea, and yeah. it would be a real shame to launch it without, you know, all of that razzmatazz of the international crowd and everyone getting involved. So I think it's the right decision. It just it then leads to a number of different points for next year. How is it going to work? A lot of different problems arise um and and if we look at that off you know straight away we're going to see the international players will they still be able to come and join will they still want to come and join at the same price tag or will they have to redo the whole draft the first thing is the draft this year the first international player to go was Rashid Khan and now Rashid Khan's an example of someone that is not available between July and August in 2021. He's got commitments with Afghanistan. So these were only ever one-year contracts signed to each of these franchise um, teams. And we don't know whether come next year the franchise has got to shotgun uh, their players before the draft of the the other 10 players in the team or whatever it was. We didn't get there, so we don't know. But Rashid Khan (laughs) might not have been available next summer and, and isn't. So... That's a that's a big blow already, and which other of the international team members aren't available? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many ramifications and so many what ifs. Not to mention that you know, uh, to uh, to point out the elephant in the room, we started the podcast as a kind of a commentary on the hundred, and obviously now it's been postponed. And whilst we are here still discussing the hundred and probably still will. This is the wonderful thing that I think about uh, being a cricket fan. There's always something to discuss. There's always some ramifications or stats or potentials or predictions. So, well, on that note, Chris, yeah. your favourite topic, I think, for, for for this podcast has been cold pack players. <laughs> Am I that predictable? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a further complication for next year because yeah. will that be affected by Brexit? I mean, Brexit is a reality, and it's funny because when I was talking about who was a Colpack and who wasn't, so for example, I used Ryan Tender-Scarter, so he comes in as a Dutch player, and I think Rilof van der Merwe does as well, but it's very true. 
another thing that we have to think about is travel restrictions because if a Colpac player who plays for an English franchise is quarantined in South Africa, we have no idea when they're going to release travel restrictions. So yeah, there's 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 lots of ramifications. And there is 14 Colpac players that were signed as non-overseas men's players. But when the rules do change, when the UK leaves the EU, those players won't be eligible as domestic players. And that's a lot to then miss, 14. I yeah. think, was it was it the Welsh fire that happened? A lot of them. Yeah, there was tons. Um, um, and um, yeah, with this, and also with COVID-19, um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand said, we're not going to open our borders until there's a vaccine. And that's wow. very sensible. She's done a great job in New Zealand. There's there's not been very many cases, and, and they've really managed. Yeah, and almost um, no deaths. It's crazy. Managed it really well, and they're not going to want to risk reopening the borders until there's yeah. a vaccine. That could be years. So Kane Williams then might not be able to come over. Um, yeah, it's Mitchell a, Sandler. And not yeah. only the international players. Let's think more domestically. What about the England Test centrally contracted players? Yeah. They may no, no longer next year be a Test centrally contracted player. So yeah. are they going to have to re-pick from, from the England teams as well? There could be injuries. There could be domestic players out of form. There's a couple of players that were chosen that were, you know, towards the end of their career. Well, Might do you know what? Playing you, next summer. We offer, you were talking uh, particularly about somebody like Imran Tahir, and this is a, a thing that um, is a reality. He might not be playing international cricket next year. You know, no, knowing Imran Tahir, he probably will be. But, you know, he's... Um, I don't want to say an elder statesman because I think that's being uh, derogatory, but um, he, he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning of his career. Let's put it that way. That's that's well put. Right? Yeah, and there are lots of other ramifications, and of course, this is something that nobody can know, and it's all dependent on how much cricket is played in the interim about injuries, uh, because people can get injured, and if it's somebody who is a core player from this franchise, and this is with the hypothetic that they get first dibs on the team that they had last time, then um, what happens if that player gets injured? Do they get dibs on another player that they want? There's, there's so many what-ifs. I think all of these what-ifs are pointing to one thing, and that's going to be a new draft. It's gonna, You're going to have to redo the draft from I scratch, so. and that's the only way that it can be fair to all teams, which is, quite frankly, a pain in the neck for all of the team talks that we've done. Yeah. Um, not least the coaches and all the work that the, the backroom staff have done to create yeah. such amazing teams. Do you know, the only positive that I can take from this is that at least we have spent an inordinate amount of time trying to understand that draft. So maybe it'll be less complicated next time. Maybe we could host it next time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's, there is always that. We do a live podcast. Oh, um, so fun. those are all the problems with... Yeah. Uh, postponing it next year we also need to talk about the women's teams because we, do, we absolutely do we were very frustrated with the fact that we just started the podcast on the women's teams talks yeah. and we only did we did the northern derby and we only did two we did two per episode because there was half the team full they were hadn't finished their team yeah and it was quite frustrating that we didn't get to finish all of the women's teams but we did think it was there was no point in continuing with the postponement because of this very reason we've been discussing but we wanted to obviously release and we did do the last episode which spoke about the different topics about the women's game and how we were quite frustrated that there was lack of data online and lack of support for the women's game and I know that Charlotte Edwards recently spoke to um, the BBC obviously she's one of the coaches of the franchises and she's saying that it's it's a real shame for the women's game especially because there was a real momentum from a really exciting world cup and um, 
different franchises getting bigger for the women's game and offering contracts off the back of the hundred that have now been cancelled. And the pay disparity was huge. As we spoke about last time, I think the highest paid um, women's player was £15,000. But yeah. for them, that you know, that's a lot of money to lose. Especially considering the state of the game maybe even five years ago. Now it's becoming, it's almost becoming kind of what it should be. It's their job if they're representing their country. And this is not just uh, talking about the England players. It's also talking about any other player from an international setting. If they're representing their country, then they should be remunerated as such. And there's there's a lot of different things that I saw why the women's game in the 100 was perhaps just as important as the men's game because you are doubling the revenue, you're promoting the women's game, you're ca- from a financial side point, you are capitalising on the growth of the women's game, you're more likely to get female fans involved, and you can get other cricket fans excited in a version of cricket that they don't know. I don't know about you, but one of my favourite things when I come across a new player that I've never heard of is figuring out who they are and figuring out what they're good at. So, uh, for example, obviously I saw Sophie Eccleston bowl in the World Cup, but to find out such crazy stats about her, that she's got like a bowling average of, I think it was at 12 or 13 or something crazy, to find out about these superstar players. And we're going to miss out on that. And the counties are going to miss out on that just as much. Yeah, I mean, the ECB said that they still intend to award the 40 new full-time contracts for the female players this year, as previously announced. So let's just hope that they that they do go, go along with that and we can still grow the game. It's a real shame for the women's. Um, it was just such a successful time for them during the World Cup. There was 90,000 people that watched that final. Yeah, and that's huge. That's such a huge growth. You can see sort of exponential growth in the women's game if you look at viewership over the last five years and pay as well and weirdly I wanted to bring up a point because obviously we we chat cricket a lot on Twitter that um, I saw a post by Katie Levick and uh, I believe well we both saw this post and she was making a very salient point about how the hundred might potentially get cancelled but for some of the women who are playing that that's their annual wage uh, and that is basically them being unemployed and it makes a very very serious point that whilst a lot of the the high-flying performers in the men's game if they lose out on a franchise competition yeah it's going to be fairly damaging and they're going to lose uh, a bit of their income but they'll be all right whereas for the women's game they've lost out on a, a, a huge portion of their annual revenue and I thought she was very fair in what she said and it led into what I can only perceive as a sort of a general feeling of hostility towards the 100, which I always found a bit, well, just sort of a bit confusing more than anything. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, I saw that tweet as well. And I also saw Alex Hartley, um, I don't know if she's joking, but she said, oh, you might see me working down your local Tesco's now, now that's been cancelled. So there was a, there was a lot of hate, hatred towards the 100 that was really mm. voiced on Twitter especially when the postponement was finally announced. And I didn't appreciate that they were calling themselves cricket fans, speaking on behalf of the fans. You know, do us all a favour. Cricket fans don't want to see this hundred anyway. And they're voicing voicing traditionalists. um, I say that with 
what are these called, Chris? <laughs> Charlie's doing air quotes <laughs> for our for our listeners who can't see. <laughs> air quotes. No, do you know what? Doing... Uh, do you know no, what? Like, I felt yeah. I felt really yeah. affronted by it all as well because I went. I'm a cricket fan. I like the hundred. There's other cricket fans who like the hundred or like the concept exactly. of Don't it. Don't speak on behalf of all of us, yeah. and also call yourself traditionalist. I'm also traditionalist. I love the test format. It is yeah. my favourite, but. You can't expect the test format to continue growing and, um, you know, getting more exciting if you don't have the shorter franchises. It happened yeah. with T20. A lot of people were hating on the T20 to begin with. Ben Stokes himself said, I wouldn't have been able to do, you know, some of the amazing shots. I don't know if he was referencing the heading, headingly test, but I'm referencing it now. He wouldn't have yeah. been able to do that headingly amazing test against Australia last year if it wasn't for his um, experience with the shorter formats because yeah. you get to use the most amazing shots and you know back in the day you would have got chastised for playing reverse sweeps i mean how many of those did ben stokes play in that test i mean there's plenty test? of shots and that i can remember where head. i don't even know how they're called well exactly yeah yeah there's plenty of shots that i don't even think that there's a name for in the book but you're right, there are plenty of players who have made huge strides in the test game and advanced the game in general by being very good at T20 cricket. I maintain, uh, for me, one of the best and most exciting fast bowlers in the world at the moment is Jasper Bumrah, who made his name in T20 cricket. He was an, he was a, a relatively out-of-the-blue selection in the IPL and became one of their best bowlers and then all of a sudden is now opening the bowling for India. So... I find that very strange that you can't find a benefit to having cross-discipline cricket. And also there's there's the financial reality of it. I uh, I remember I went to go and watch a county game, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, it was Gloucestershire against Worcestershire in Cheltenham, and I think there was probably about 12 people there. And obviously, which, you know, it breaks my heart as a cricket fan because I want it to be full, I want people to be there enjoying the game. But the reality is, is that long form cricket, apart from top flight tests, and we have to be pretty cutting here. I mean, I'm really only including test matches from England, Australia, India, maybe South Africa. But there are a lot of times if you go and watch a test match, even the test match isn't completely sold out. And there's a reality that clubs can only function if they are receiving uh, money. And the hundred, whilst it would have been a ve- it would have been a very exciting competition and a completely new format, which for me sounded exciting because we'd never seen anything like it. It was going to bring in a huge amount of money into the counties, which can be dispersed not only amongst uh, the county game, uh, the longer format stuff, but also the women's game and also the development stuff. I only saw this as a positive, and I think this is something that. I think people were being a little bit churlish about, if I was being honest, because that's the reality of professional sport. And you know what? You don't have to watch it if you don't like it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You don't have to watch, watch it something if you don't else. Like it. We're not forcing you to watch it. So no. if if people want the hundred, let them have the hundred. You know, I, I just didn't get that that people were ranting and raving and. Uh, I'll postpone it for a hundred years, you know, all of that stuff, although that was quite a funny comment, but, um, you know, like, I just don't get it. This is people's livelihoods. This is, yeah, people want to watch it. There is an appetite for it. It isn't going to affect what you want to watch or what you enjoy. So I I don't know. It was really, yeah, I was 
frustrating to see a lot of, of those kind of yeah, comments. It's disappointing more than anything. Um, but the, the thing is, I think it's like a lot of things. Uh, some people will have an opinion and it will not change and you cannot change their opinion. And I'm not here to try and change anybody's opinion, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think this is just me and because I'm a little bit hippy dippy that I always like to come from a place of positivity about things. And I just don't feel like trashing something is necessarily a productive way to do anything really but anyway Look, that's just I, me. I totally understand that the financial aspect of the 100 was worrying for a lot of cricket fans um, and I get it and Tom Harrison's spoken openly about the budget I think it's 40 million about the fact that he's not expecting any kind of profit in the first couple of years but that's not the point the point mm. is in three four five years time the profit will be huge yeah. the growth will be huge and will be attracting a lot of younger audiences a lot of female fans yep. and that for cricket in itself will only help the four-day match with the county Absolutely. county cricket so now with the with the um financial aspect i know that there has been uh, one idea that there was a consultancy group that focuses on sport yeah. um, that they have said that the ECB really should consider um, international uh, or privatization basically of the franchises right. um, a, a lot of there has been a lot of international interest from other um, sponsors of cricket I know for example the Kolkata Knight Riders mm -hmm. a big big franchise in the IPL um, they've expressed interest in sponsoring or owning one of the teams they also have done that already with the Caribbean Premier League um, they purchased the Trinidad Tobago Red Steels who are now known as the Trinbago Knight Riders the they're really keen on on one of the teams for the hundred equally one of the Pakistan Super League owners the Karachi King owners have said this has the potential to be bigger than the IPL. We want to get involved. We'd love to own one of the teams. Yeah. Now, I understand that the ECB want to like retain control of their baby, of their idea, yeah. and reap the rewards and the profits that will come down the line. But maybe there is an idea there of, I don't know, you could... You know, shares 49% and keep 51% yeah. because I think they're really missing a trick here. It would really help with short-term finances, financing problems right now. And also, Chris, more importantly, tap into that Indian influence. It might open up the doors to the, the BCCI to have chats down the line with Indian players being allowed in the 100. It might happen. Exactly. I've, I've said this to you uh, before quite a lot that... All it takes is for Virat Kohli, just Virat Kohli, to play in the 100. No one else. And you would have so many fans and so many people watching it on the TV. Um, the thing is, I, I'm sort of a little bit on the fence in this regard because I get that the ECB are a little bit concerned about the BCCI maintaining control over a domestic competition. And... I just think largely back to how much control the BCCI has over cricket in general, which is understandable because, uh, like you said, about 90% of all cricket fans worldwide are from India. But um, take, for example, DRS. That was something that took a long time to become canon across all formats of test. And it was, it was purely because BCCI were against it. So... Uh, I can see that there's potential difficulties. Having said that, they retain a lot of control, a lot of power, and importantly for clubs, a lot of fin uh, a lot of finance comes in from India. So 
I I think I'm of the opinion that they should at least consider it. And you only have to look at the growth of something like the PSL. The PSL kind of nobody really um, watched for a little while, but now it's grown to quite a big degree. Um, so I, I think that there should definitely be that kind of cooperation across boards because it can only help grow the game. It can only help bring money into cricket, which from a lot of respect is falling apart in, yeah. in infrastructure. So, and if you just look at the the World Cup that we hosted last last summer, all of the uh, many of the British Asian fans were supporting India, were supporting Pakistan, yeah. because you know they're just they love these teams, even though they're British, they still support their Asian roots, which is fantastic. But you just see how many British Asians would be so up for the hundred, be supporting them because they've included the Indian players as well as the Pakistan players. And mm. how exciting to have a franchise potentially that you'd see India and Pakistan playing playing each other through the franchise game. Absolutely, because, you know, if you look at the IPL, for example, there's there's still a kind of a blockade. So uh, Pakistan players don't play in the IPL, apart from a couple of, like, very few exceptions. Um, but you only have to think back to the World Cup when India played Pakistan. I remember I went to the pub with a friend of mine to go and watch it. I have never seen a pub that full in my entire life. And it was just a sea of blue t-shirts and green t-shirts. So it shows how big a draw the game in the subcontinent is. And if you can tap in to that on a financial level, it can only be a benefit, uh, especially if what you're trying to do is raise profit. But the, the, the final point I wanted to make on this was this was going to air on terrestrial TV which nothing else has since, I think it was 2005, was the last time cricket was broadcast on terrestrial TV, with the exception of the World Cup final. And that's another way of bringing people in, because I think that this is potentially another problem with cricket at the moment, or the way that we, I'm going to use your quotes, uh, quote-unquote traditional way of cricket is, it kind of feels like it's a bit it, it's a bit of an elite sport as in you need a very expensive tv package to do it or you have to pay like you know sometimes upwards of 100 pounds to go and see a cricket match now for a lot of families that's just not possible that's just not financially viable exactly um, yeah. and that's why it was so great that the ecb did place the family tickets and the different um, sections that you could sit in when we were buying tickets you had the options yeah. and they were priced at a very competitive price to get yeah. those families to go to the game now this is what worries me is the fact that you're going to postpone it till next year the only worry that in my head really is financial and if people are sort of calling for it to be cancelled altogether because of the amount of money that's been wasted and now we don't even have the game this this season and counties need that money that we yeah. won't get it from the, the TV deals if there won't be any cricket on the TV during that time. That is the only reason why I would really push um, privatisation on some of the teams. But I also, it, it depends, maybe these owners wouldn't want 49%. They would want the whole thing, in which case yeah. I understand why the ECB would be quite reluctant, especially as it hasn't launched yet. They want to see, they want to progress it first and yeah. change certain things that are working, that aren't working in their own right before they have to answer to different owners. Exactly. And I, I think this is the difficulty because there is the potential of it going away altogether. And I think that that's, I think that that would be a crying shame for cricket in, in general, uh, certainly amongst this country. But So that leads yeah. us to sum up and ask ourselves, what does that mean for the 100 report? What <laughs> yeah. will we be doing? 
Well, hopefully we'll still be talking a lot about cricket this summer. We're not sure exactly what that entails yet because the ECB haven't finalised anything, but we're hoping it could be um, some international games, some England internationals that are pushed back later. It could still be the T20 blast that's pushed yeah. back later. So either way, we want to keep you updated with cricket and yeah, be your eyes and ears for that. Absolutely. And this is one of the wonderful things about being a cricket fan is you can always find something to talk about. But yeah, we're going to carry on. We're still going to be talking about cricket in general uh hopefully about yeah like like you say the the england matches uh, the t20 blast kind of whatever comes our way but we are also going to do a sub podcast if you will because what uh, one of the remits of the hundred was to get people into cricket who perhaps didn't really get into cricket but um, we're not going to release this on our main podcast feed we're going to release it on our youtube channel and we're going to call it back to basics which is well literally what it says we're going to talk about the basics of cricket uh, so any questions you've got anything that you don't know just shoot us a line and we will tell you but as ever you can follow us on youtube you can follow us on itunes we are at the hundred report on instagram and at hundred report on twitter do please keep in touch keep chatting because we ain't going anywhere and bye from me bye now